This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome to the Asian Torah Essentials Program here in the old city of Jerusalem, where we have the only outlet in the world, embarrassingly, where people who are not from observant backgrounds or Jewish backgrounds or any backgrounds or full backgrounds can come find out what Judaism has to say. You know, you'd think it was a little more open to the public because we don't have much to hide at all. Nevertheless, Asian Torah is doing it and uh, please God, we'll keep doing it. Um, today we're going to be talking about the Paschal Lamb and what that is all about is on the 10th of Nisan, on the, uh, which is in a few days, it'll be, the 10th of Nisan will be Sunday night. Just make a bracha go hato on the tenth of Nisan, which is four days before the sacrifice or the offering of the Paschal Lamb, the Corbin Pesach, which I'll probably call it the rest of this class. Corbin Pesach, Paschal Lamb. And uh, actually I have a friend whose name is Shepsel Pesach. So his name is the Paschal Lamb. Shepsel was sheep and Pesach, the Corbin Pesach. Anyway, Shep, so if you're watching, shout out to you in Miami. We love you. Miss you. So, anyway, the um, the Corbin Pesach is is brought into one's home. Now, people didn't live in mansions in those days. You probably had a front room and a back room. And uh, probably your kids slept in the front room and the parents slept in the back room. But in that inner room, that inner room, the sheep was tied to the to the bed post, you know, like like you tie it to your bedpost. And just really strange. But you'd have your sheep tied to your bedpost. And you inspected it for four days, you know, as if like it needs four days worth of inspection, which is also a little strange. Like you know, like why don't we leave the sheep outside and you know, and go for the four minute inspection. Like how you need four days on this thing? You know, like as long as it doesn't have any serious blemish, it's good for the slaughtering. Of, you know, it's good for the offer. So, what's the what's why the inner room? Why does it have to be in there? Why does it have to be on the? Why does it have to be four days of inspection? The whole story is a little strange. And then on the fourth day, or the fourteenth day of the month of this month which will be, uh, this year will be a Friday. It will be, um, it's then slaughtered and it's left whole, meaning it, it, it's, uh, it gets its, you know, ritual slaughter, which gives instant brain death, zero pain to the animal. And, uh, and then it goes to, um, and then it's actually cooked on a spit, no water allowed. Um, can't be put in a pot or it's not even cut up. It's cooked with its innards in. And, uh, you know, it's forbidden to eat blood, but it turns out that when you barbecue meat, it doesn't, barbecued meat would not need to be salted. You know how when we buy kosher meat, it's been salted? So if you were actually barbecuing meat, you wouldn't have to salt it because the fire itself draws the blood out of the, out of the flesh of the animal. So, sorry, there's a little gory at the beginning. It'll get a lot easier later. And uh, you can just go get some shawarma after this, you know, just, just to get over it. So anyway, so then it's cooked on a hot flame, and uh, and 
and then later it's served to, you know, whichever families were, were uh, what's the word, uh, manuim, uh, how would you say, signed up for that sheep. Meaning you have to be signed up for a sheep. And uh, you can't eat from someone else's sheep. You have to be part of, your family has to be signed up with the other families because the sheep's a lot of meat. So so it's your family, a couple other families are signed up to that sheep. That's the sheep you must eat from. And uh, and you got to size it up pretty well because you're not allowed any leftovers, which could get uncomfortable if your families, you know, ask for a little too much, you know. So the, so you're, you're going to be eating a lot of meat because you're not allowed to leave any over. No leftovers, not allowed to break its bones. So another aspect, um, when you eat the Corbin Pesach, if you have a piece with bone, then you get the ribs, you know, or something. Spare ribs. Um, certain people like to, like, break bones and stuff and chew on them and stuff. It's not for me. But uh, but you're not allowed to break the bones. But you, can't, you cannot separate the pieces of the You can separate them after it's cooked. I'm saying that when you're eating it, you can't, like, chew, chomp on the bones and stuff. You have to leave the bones whole. Clear? So those are the basic rules. I mean, there's more, but, but those are the basic ones we have to know about. And I want to share with you a little story about sheep. When I was a young man, I was, I was the grandson of a fur trader. My mother's father was a fur trader. He worked in the fur business. And once in a while, as a field trip with Grandpa, we would be taken out to the mountains of Northern California, where he lived, and to the sheep uh, um, fields and where you know where they graze, and but these were special sheep with gorgeous fur, and they were really abundant fur on these sheep. And when we got out of my father's, my grandfather's Jeep Cherokee, and we uh, saw the sheep, we all ran and dove and hid underneath his legs like we were anything but getting near these monstrous sheep that were gigantic. And so we hid from the sheep, and then. What happened was they took the sheep to the shearers, you know, where they would shear off all the wool. And when they were done shearing the sheep, you know what was left? Anyone seen a shorn sheep? All that's left was this scrawny little oversized looking rodent. I mean, it looked like a dog or something, but or kind of like a rat. But uh, it was just an oversized rodent looking thing. Go, go goopy as anything because it's covered in lanolin on the skin level. It's covered in lanolin. Lanolin is sheep sweat. It's in every one of your skincare uh, uh, products. So now you know what lanolin is. Lanolin is sheep sweat. And it's, it's quite amazing. You should know for your skin to use pure lanolin. But it's a little hard to find. The only, the only company I know that does pure lanolin is uh, Lanzano, which is, uh, which is uh, an amazing product. In fact, uh, no one in our family goes anywhere without Lanzano because you don't get the splits. You know, you ever been in winter splits and your fingers and knuckles and stuff where the skin splits? Uh, as long as you have your trusty bottle of Lanzano with you, it's a little mini one. So this is pure lanolin, 100% lanolin. Anyone need any? Everyone's good? Okay. So, so it comes in bigger too. Stuff's mega expensive though because it's, uh, you know, it's just, Sweet sheep sweat. I always go with sheep sweat everywhere. Now, no to the sheep sweat. So, 
the now there was this scrawny little sheep. Now, do you think we stayed under my grandfather's legs once we saw a scrawny little thin narrow sheep? No, we came out from under his legs. We were no longer afraid, and the sheep ran off to wherever they go, you know, eat. And that was it. Fear was gone. It's just a scrawny little nothing. It's just a yucky kind of thing. It was. It was yucky. It was definitely not a very beautiful thing. It was kind of ugly and yucky. And uh, I mean, it, it was, it looked like a Martian. It looked kind of like, I mean, why you'd even keep this thing alive is strange, you know? I mean, once it was a beautiful sheep, then it makes sense, but it was yucky. Now, the word for scrawny, little, yucky, narrow is in Hebrew is the word sar. Sar means narrow, like that. Sar means narrow, constricted, contracted, something sar. And the hang in there, bro. The best part's coming. Best part's coming. Maybe uh, take your head off the pillow. That'll do more. So, you don't want to miss it. So, if you put a man before it, so it causes sorrow, it's the causer of pain. It causes pain. Whenever you have a man before something, it's causative. So, so like for example, the word uh, to run is rots, to um, cause someone to run it is maybe merits or something. Maybe it's merits. It's to like cause someone to run. It's causative. Uh, the word for uh, uh, to drink is show, is uh, or a drink is called shtia. Uh, but if you're mashke, you're you're bringing drinks to people. You're causing drinking. Put the mem there, causes to lay down is lishkav or shochev, but to put your children to bed where you're causing sleep upon the children, it's it's uh, mashkiv, mashkiv, cause it. So the word for sar is narrow, and to cause narrowness is made sar. Now, if you add to the word made sar, if you add the plural of it, so then you'd add a yud and then a mem. That would be the plural of it. And that's um, mitzarim, mitzarim is uh, narrow straits, mitzarim. And the word for leaving Egypt is you can see it's Mitzrayim, because the word for Egypt is Mitzrayim. And it's kind of the plural of that. It also spells the word sea, like we crossed the sea. But Mitzar Yam would be a narrow strait, as opposed to a broad, you know, sea, be a narrow strait of water. Now, that word Mezar is the god of the Egyptians. Because the god of the Egyptians is the sheep. 
And the sheep, in its real essence, without all the fur, without all the wool, is really just a scrawny, little grimy, yucky, ugly thing. And that's the god of the Egyptians. Now, I'm sure their sheep had wool, but their ultimate god is this scrawny sheep. And we have to take their god, this scrawny sheep, and we have to inspect, we have to bring it to our innermost room, and we have to inspect it for four days, and then we got to slaughter it. And then ultimately we go, we are going to be free. Then we're free. After that, we go into Passover night. It's the Exodus. And then we're free. Now, you are the Paschal Lamb. What do I mean by that? Don't you have inside of you, Sar? Isn't there a narrow version of you? And what version do you have of you? And how many of you wake up every day, look in the mirror and say, you are just most beautiful, incredibly deserving, awesome, wonderful, charismatic, brilliant, capable, powerful, beautiful person. Do you say that every day in the mirror? You do? Good for you. She does. Any of you say that in the mirror every day? So... Most people in the world are saying the opposite of that. They're saying, actually, you are limited in every kind of way. You're not good-looking. You're not smart. You're not uh, lovable. You're not even likable. You're not worthy. You're not capable. Uh, you're not. You're, you're weak. You're ineffective. You don't really matter. Not worth it. And that's what people are really saying deep down. Deep down. Now, a lot of you in this room right now would probably not know what I'm talking about. What do you mean? I don't say that to myself. The reason why is another word. And that's the word. Same there. And the word Mazar means narrow. And the word Semer means wool. Now, you notice anything interesting about the word Mazar and Semer? It's, it's the same letters. There's the Reish, Masali, and then. The same letters. And that's the nature of people is to have a lot of inner negativity and and then an outer persona. An outer persona, inner negativity, outer persona. And most people you meet are driven externally by the inner negativity. So for example, if you see someone dressed particularly beautiful, it's likely, it's not always the case, but it's likely they're saying that they're ugly. And so they're showing beauty. If you see someone trying to be a know-it-all or be right in the conversation, he probably thinks he's what? What? Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe never mind. What, what's something more simple? Stupid. 
Stupid. Dumb. And now they're going to show you how smart they are. Whereas a smart person, does a smart person need to show anybody how smart they are? And would they, do they get in having to be right all the time? No. Unless they feel perhaps, they may not feel stupid, but they may feel worthless. But if they are right all the time, then maybe they're worth something. So the, so that's their wool, is to be right all the time. And now they're suddenly worthy. Do you guys get how you're the Paschal Lamb? Now, are you getting why this class is called You Are the Paschal Lamb? So, now, when you have someone living with this big outer game, we'll call this an outer game, and this is the inner game, so we'll have, a, we'll have it be like this. This is the inner game. And this is the outer game. When you meet someone with a big outer game, what do you think their inner game is like, big or small usually? Yeah, they probably got a very small inner game and not a very healthy inner game. So they got a big outer game, they're playing big outside with a very little inner game. This is why you'll notice that a lot of people who, like, who are, what are some of the, what are some of the careers that is big outer game and a, but really small inner games? What are some of those careers? Politician. Politician, yeah, they, they, they tend to be in the news a lot for, for terrible inner games. Who else? Doctor? Not necessarily. Actors. No. So what? Actors. Actors, celebrities. Uh, I don't know. I've never met anyone who wasn't a salesman. Kardashians. Everyone's a salesman. Mm-hmm. That's not a career. Um, entertainers. You also get athletes. A lot of big athletes have uh, a big outer game and a very little inner game. And this is great for news articles and stuff because they're always in the news. You know, if they're if celebrities, they're in the news for all kinds of stupid behavior. And of course, then they get their final news story of when they die, usually before the age of 40, because there's only so long your body can withstand a mixture of painkillers and sleeping pills. So it's very hard to go to sleep when you're no longer, when you're out of game. Because how, how's an outer game when you're in bed in a hotel room? You know, how, 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 how good's your outer game when you're literally in a bed in a hotel room at three in the morning, you can't sleep? There's no one clapping. Everyone's gone home back to their families. And, but you're playing this big outer game thing. You don't even have a family. Most of those rock stars never even got a family. And they, uh, this is the only one way to go to sleep, and that's with medication. But how many years, how many decades can a body go living on opiates and, and sleeping pills? Not to mention mixing them. Many and many, many mix them with what are called SSRIs, which are, you know, mood stabilizing type of depression, anxiety drugs. You know what those are in SSRIs? So meaning they're always on SSRIs. They're on opiates after their shows and sleeping pills to finally knock themselves out. That's how the majority of the, these people die. In the, I, I had this girl come up to me. Uh, she was 14 years old. Her parents said, this girl's like, She's like flying off the path of Judaism, like she's not interested in Judaism. So I interviewed her and, you know, met with her and she said that she wants to be a rock star. And she had what it took, too. She really had what it took. She had all the charisma, everything, the looks and apparently the voice. And uh, 
she really had what it took to be a rock star. And so we didn't do all the deep work. She was only 14 years old. We weren't going to talk about her inner game and her outer game. But what we did do was, I, I do this on a whim. I like pulled out my phone and I, I just Googled uh, lifespan of rock stars. And I got right to the right site. I don't know, this was many years ago. We got right to the right site. And we were scrolling down from the 1940s all the way to present. And no one seemed to live past the age of 40. And no one seemed to die of, of like natural causes. And by the time we were done with this whole list, this girl said, I think I'm going back to Beit Yaakov. <laughs> you know, I'll go back to Beit Yaakov where I belong. You know? And she, went, she actually went back to seminary. And went on, you know, years later now. She's like a real, she's like a little Rebbitson. This girl, like a really holy girl. And she, that's all she had to see was like, you know, you're going to live half the life and alone and, you know, in, in pain. So, but meanwhile, all of us are mini rock stars. All of us are this, are this Paschal lamb. We're all this, doing this all the time. And... So you may, when I said, asked earlier, do you look in the mirror and say all these terrible things about yourself? Some of you are like, no. And the reason why is because what are you, what are you staring at when you look in the mirror? You're staring at the wall. Looking at the wall. But what's generating? Where does wool generate from in a, in a sheep? Where does wool come from? How does wool, where is the wool growing from? It's growing from the from the sheep itself. The wool is growing out of the sheep. And so in other words, this is the inner game is the source of the outer game. It's the actual source of it. Now this is the god of the Egyptians. And now you know why it takes four days. It takes four and why you gotta go to the inner. You get why what room we're gonna do this in? Where are we doing this? Where are we doing this sheep inspection? In the inner room. We have to tie that sheep up to the inner room. We need, and we need four days to go in and look at this thing. Four days, a lot of days, a lot of days. But if we spend this time, and again, it's only Sunday night. It begins the four days. But, but right now, I mean, raise your hand if you've done some preparing for Pesach physically, like in the, yeah. If you haven't, so you should come volunteer for the Glazers, because uh, there's still a ton to do. Oh, you'll come? Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. That's so funny. My wife's like, I need help. And I would never have remembered except for that moment. And these two girls are like, will you? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Amazing. Get any more girls coming, the guys are going to start coming. So the, uh, you girls are actually plants. We don't actually want women in the essentials program. It's just that that's what keeps the guys coming. <laughs> I'm kidding. So I think I'm kidding. He's smiling pretty big though. Anyway. <laughs> now the anyway, but those that four day inspection isn't just the sheep, it's it's your sheep. It's your sheep, because think about what a joke your narrow game is. Think about what a joke it is. I mean, let's say, for example, any, any girl here willing to raise her hand and be my volunteer? Okay, yeah, she beat you by like a millisecond. What's your name? Leah. Leah. So, so imagine Leah, there's a movie about Leah. 
And it's like her worst moment in the movie. And, you know, your worst moment, some embarrassing thing when you were a kid or whatever. You're five, six, seven years old, whatever. And it, But it's horribly embarrassing or painful or whatever it was. And, and now, meanwhile, all of America is watching this movie. Meaning there's hundreds of millions of people who are going to watch it around the world. When that happens to her, and it's clear in the movie at that moment, she feels like totally unworthy. She just doesn't feel worth it in that moment of the film. Now, everyone gets it. In Hollywood, they always play the exact right music. So everyone, in the, what's everyone doing in the theater? Crying. <laughs> you're laughing. Maybe you're laughing. Anyway, everyone's crying, maybe laughing out of nervousness, like what's going to be with this girl now that she believes this thing about herself. Anyway, but everyone in the movie theater is is crying, and of course you're crying, and the and you're like embarrassed that you're crying, so you so you like look at the person next to you, hoping they don't notice you're crying. What are they doing? They're crying. This is the whole theater's crying. That's the way it works in movies. Everyone's crying in there together. And um, uh, do people still go to movies? By the way, or are they all watched on screens? It's amazing. I've left the world of cinema. I never watched a lot of them to begin with, but. I completely left the world of cinema in 1991. Have there been some good films since 1991? <laughs> Anything good came out? Inception and Matrix. Which one? Inception and Matrix. Uh, that was the ones that I was prescribed to watch, Kabbalistically, so those I've seen on the <laughs> Yeah, we, us rabbis have a couple movies where we're, we're like, they make us watch them. Just to stay like, tuned in to what the world is getting now. Kabbalistically. So apparently the major... Um, when I watched the Conception one, Inception. I realized afterwards that it has to be watched several <laughs> times to get in the world. What's it called? Inception. Conception. Inception. Inception. When I watched the Inception one, I felt that afterwards you have to watch it several times to get it. It was too multi-layered for, for, for watching once. Yeah. Is that true? you got to watch it a few times. How many times you got to watch it? I don't have that much time. People usually say three. See three? Usually three At th- Did you see it three? Uh, three did you get it? I watched it a while ago. Did you like watch learning, it? Yeah, it's like learning Parsha. You, like, you get different things about it every time you watch. How many times do you watch? Twice. Ah, so you mean you've gotten it up to two. Okay. People ask me sometimes, uh, so since you've become observant, do you still go to movies and stuff? And I'm like... Well, I never thought about it. Like, I haven't had two free hours since I became observant. <laughs> like, you show me two hours that I got free, and then we'll figure out whether I go to movies or not. But I have a strong feeling that if I had two free hours, it would not be sitting and watching someone else's brain. You know, I mean, whoever wrote the movie's brain. I, if I got two hours, I'm going to be doing something a little more creative for my, my own self. What would you do? What? What would you do with two free hours? Two free hours? What would I do? I'd go into nature. Uh, I had two free hours in Chavez. Kind of hard to watch movies in Chavez, so I went into nature. And uh, I was looking for parrots. You know Jerusalem has parrots? They used to be uh, they used to be migrating, but I, I think they just like it. They just like it here. So now we have permanent parrots. Have you seen these things? Big, gorgeous, green parrots. you seen the parrots? You haven't seen it? So you'll see them from now on. You know why? Um, and the way to find the parrots is you'll hear them gawk. They have a totally different sound than all the other birds. Where, where are they? All over town. They're all over town. Yeah. All, anywhere there's trees. They're probably all over Rahavia. You can go to Gutter Vadim and see them. 
Yeah, there's not a ton of them, but there's enough that you'll see them. Anyway, what happens is you're going to hear from now on, listen while you walk around Jerusalem. Obviously, you've got to be on this side of the tracks because I don't think they have trees on the north side of the tracks. But So take a trip to West Jerusalem to the other side of the tracks. And, but you'll hear this crazy shriek that is not like any other bird that you'll be hearing. All the other birds are tweet, tweet, tweet. This one's like... Yeah, it's more like a gah. And then you got parrots. And then all you have to do is look up, you'll find gorgeous bright green parrots. Um, why am I talking about parrots? Nature. We just gave Sadaka to a guy named Parrots outside my door. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, send uh, people can send funds for PaySide. We have tons of money coming out my door. I just give it to poor families who are making pace. Uh, so anyone can help out with that. Um, why was it talking about birds, pace We started because we were talking about the embarrassing movie that everyone was crying. Yes. I was just wondering why we were talking about birds, though. He asked me what I do with two hours. <laughs> anyway. Uh, this is my new thing is sleeping on park benches <laughs> I don't know what happened two weeks in a row I was in nature on Shabbos and I realized I never got a Shabbos shloof and I'm after my chillum and I always go from my bed from the chillum to bed that's every every week that's like from my bed to the chillum and um, when I was in Shana Rishonim my wife was like she's really into learning and stuff she's an author and stuff so when we first got married, she was like, after the children, she was like, would you like to learn some Torah? And I was like trying to be a good chassan, you know, something. sure. And so we'd open up the book and literally 30 seconds later, I'm like, <laughs> this went on for a few weeks till, till it was like, would you like to learn some Torah? I'm like, sure. And I'm like, why don't you read? Because I was reading, you know, I was giving it over and falling asleep. So I said, why don't you read? So that way I fell asleep in about 10 seconds. Later, a couple weeks later, I'm like, sure, why don't we do it in the bedroom and you'll read. Because <laughs> it's starting to hurt my neck. I'd wake up like an hour later like, oh, oh. And then now ne- ne- she's left me alone now for the last 23 years. Of, I just go to bed after her. But two weeks in a row, I was, I was in nature, walking around in the trees and the forest and... and um, I realized I hadn't had a Shabbos shelf, so I just kind of pulled up to a bench. Just kind of laid down and passed out for an hour. So I keep waking up on park benches. <laughs> I'm like homeless now. So, everyone's crying in the movie theater. Is there a person in the world who thinks that Leia's worthless watching this movie? The movie's being watched by hundreds of millions of people. Is there one person of the hundreds of millions of people who thinks Leia's worthless? Yes or no? No, it's, 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 it's uh, 300 million to one. Who's the one who thinks she's worthless? The girl in the scene. It's 300 million to one. Is it possible she's right? Not even nearly possible. And don't forget, every God-fearing person in the movie theater, there's a lot of people on Earth, every God-fearing person in the movie theater not only believes she's something special, but they know it. 
Why? Because God doesn't create garbage. God doesn't create garbage. God creates beauty. I mean, did you bust the guy? Is he fired? Almost. You got to steal more than a cable to get fired? They busted the guy and got the cable back. Little bastard. So, anyway, the, uh, the janitor here stole my iPhone cable. <laughs> Everything's on camera here. I think the door is came. Anyway, why we found it. Um, any God-fearing person realizes she's special because God doesn't create garbage. He creates every human being in his image. And so she's obviously amazing. Even that guy. Oh, you mean the janitor? Janitor's also creating the image of God. He's just got a lousy outer game. An inner game. Some people are lousy inner games and outer games. Now, why does everyone stay in the theater now? Let's say that trauma happened in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Which means everyone's going to be sitting in that theater for over another hour, like an hour and a half plus. Why are they sitting in there? Now, what's the movie going to do also? You know what the movie's going to do? It's going to fast forward it to her adult life. And, and it's going to be how she plays out this story about herself in the outer game. Meaning she's going to grow a bunch of wool. And she's going to have this big outer game. And then you watch it play out in her marriage and with her kids and like principles and you know it just plays and professionally it just plays out now why would anyone sit in that theater for the next two hours of this most predictable thing ever you realize how predictable it is once you know someone's inner game how predictable is their outer game Hmm? extremely predictable and you're watching a movie which means they're going to perfectly play out the story for you why would anyone sit through that? Okay. Why? Paid Why is anyone going to sit through a predictable film? Paid six bucks and want to get your money. Why would anyone sit there? Why do people pay six bucks? I doubt movies still cost six bucks. But it's a distraction. What? It's a distraction? Maybe movies in general, but why that movie? you got to make a choice when you go into a movie theater, which movie you're going to see. Why are people in there? Because people can relate. Okay, very good. Very good. Let's... I'm dealing with my inner game, and I'm playing my outer game. I'm getting exhausted. You know, it gets exhausting. Outer games are exhausting and expensive. You know, think about it. Whenever you see someone driving around in a car, that's, you know, do you guys know how much cars are? <coughs> you know, they're double America. So if you see someone, let's say, in a nice BMW, like a really nice one, you know, full, like, you know, Coke dealer BMW. So you're talking about... 350,000 shekels about something like that like one of those nicer ones is going to be about 350,000 shekels it's a $100,000 car it's up with that guy you realize how expensive it gets having a, having a big outer game can be extremely expensive and you also have much more than the guy in the 350,000 shekel BMW is you have a lot of guys who their outer games to quit and disappear. I think a lot of them are coming to my door for Pesach money. 
I'm happy to give it. I'm not going to say, hey, dude, lousy outer game, bro. You know, you're not worthless, and you can actually earn money for your family. There's a possibility there. You might have to start small, but you will grow and eventually be able to afford your family. You know, I do not give them this schmooze. I just go to the envelope, pull out 100 shekels, and hand it to the guy and say, good young So, how many more people, their outer game is to somehow disappear from the world? Because every game is either big, which is like a big outer game, which is more of a fight, and then there's a, having a really lousy outer game, which is a flight outer game. Some people are more fighters, some are more flighters. Some people, when it comes socially, they're fighters, but when it comes professionally, they're flighters, meaning socially they're going to dominate, but then when it comes to making a living, they'll just run away from everything. So that's like that's like the really charming, charismatic, good-looking guy who's completely broke and dropped out of school. And you meet these guys; they're they're great guys. I mean, they're amazing guys to get a beer with, and they're fun as anything. But if you're married to one, it looks good in pictures, <laughs> you know. But you're gonna have to return your dress the next day to the place you borrowed it from, you know, because because they have a very crummy outer game when it comes to their uh, their own abilities professionally you get that so but they're but again these are some very beautiful blast people to be with and a person like that if he takes my word seriously if that's you anyone in this room or watching this on, online if that's you well get ready to be both charismatic fun in public and also wealthy and, you know, financially stable. Why? Because you're going to be inspecting me. You're going to be inspecting the sheep. By the way, when they're inspecting the sheep, what are they inspecting? The wool or the sheep? Inspecting the sheep. It doesn't matter if the wool has a big brown blotch on it or it's particularly beautiful or it's, you know, or it's, you know, really handsome. You know, you, you got to know the outer game. You got to know your outer game. But it's the inner game that's getting inspected. It's the inner room we're inspecting it. And once you've inspected it, you've looked at it, and you just said, like, no thank you. <laughs> like, that is a joke. By the way, uh, let's say you watch the movie. And you, you so want to leave, but you're not going to leave. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for to happen in the theater? You're watching the movie. You want something to happen. What do you want to happen? What do you want to happen when you're watching her, this movie as she plays out her wounds in her adult life? Her game to be revealed. Her game to be revealed. That would be good. And But what do you ultimately want? Begins with an olive. Man. Tough. Yeah, Emma's. You want the truth? The reason everyone sits in there is because human beings have something called a midasa emis, midata emis, a, a attribute of truth. Why did 300 million people not believe her when she was embarrassed as a kid or felt forgotten or left out or worthless? Why did the 300 million not 
go with her? Why do they vote she's amazing? She's awesome. Why did they not vote with her? The answer is because it's not true. It's not true. They've been watching the movie since she was born. They're in love with her. Movies get you to fall in love with the main character. They're crazy about her. They're in love with this character. And now this character suddenly is believing things that are true or not true. The character is believing something true or not true. Not true. At all. And then she goes on. Now, there's some of you who might believe that, well, maybe it is true. The answer is it's not true. There's no such thing. There's never been a human being in the world who wasn't awesome and amazing. There's been a lot of confused human beings. There's been a lot of human beings who have gone terribly wrong with their lives. But every human being is... You see, even the horrible ones, the megalomaniacs that have done terrible to the world, they, um, they themselves, you see their power. It's just they went the wrong way with the power. But who, does, who doesn't want to be a powerful person? We all do. We all want to make a difference. It's just where you're making your difference, on the side of good or the side of bad. The reason that we stay in the movie is we want to see her breakthrough. We want to see her redemption. We want to see her her messianic moment of redemption from the straits, from the shecker, from the lies of how she's been seeing herself. Because we want to see, we want the truth. And so, once you get to the truth, what do you do with the sheep? What do you do on the fourth day? Slaughter it. Slaughter it. First, you got to slaughter it. And so, on that fourth day, we're going to slaughter it. Now, what is it represented in our job? What's our job right now till Pesach? What are we searching for? Chametz. What's chametz? Anything that puffs up. What does wool do? We're searching right now to, at the puffing up of our outer game. You want to see where your outer game's puffed up or puffed in if it's, you know, the person afraid of success or or it could be social anxiety so they totally avoid crowds and public things, you know. But we're looking for the wall right now. We're looking for the chametz. And before we slaughter the Paschal lamb, what are we going to do with all the wool? What are we going to do with all the chametz, all the puff up stuff inside of us trying to show everybody how wonderful we are what are we going to do with that wool we're going to burn it we get violent on the fourth day you know on the 14th day of Nisan Jews get Jews get pretty rough on that day they're going to burn the chametz they're going to take all that puff up that they puffed up and it's just going to go up in one big puff What? Friday morning. We're going to burn that chametz. And from that that moment on, after the end of of Sreifat chametz, of the burning of the chametz, you are not allowed any more chametz in your life. It's over. You burn it, and then no more chametz. Burn it, it's over. 
not allowed to eat it the hour before. Now you're not allowed to have it the hour after. You can still have it for that hour, but now you can't even have it. You can't even have it. I mean, that's wild. I understand you can't eat it, but you can't even have it. It's so unkosher. This story, this crazy story is so unkosher that you're not allowed to even have it. And if you got something really expensive or something that's made of hummus, like fine whiskeys or stuff like that, so you have to sell it to a Gentile. You cannot own it. You have to lock it up and make sure you don't steal it from the Gentile. There's plenty of, by the way, there's plenty of alcohol that's not hummus. There's potato vodka or tequila, as long as it's got a proper certificate of kashrut. Which reminds me, I have to buy some tequila for... And there's plum brandy. That was a famous one in my family. It's called Schlivowitz, which is amazing. Amazing. Very light buzz to it, Schlivowitz. So... We're going to first burn the chametz. Then we're going to slaughter the lamb. We're going to slaughter the sheep. And you can't put it in water. You know why? Because when you put meat in water, it soaks in its own juices. And it becomes a very flavorful stew. Normally, meaning if it's a Shabbos chicken, you know, chicken soup, or beef stew, it's, you know, lamb chowder. <laughs> the... Uh, it, it may be delicious like that, but we're really not happy about this lamb. And so we're going to, we're not going to let it stew in its own juices. We're going to let all its juices drip into the flames because when you burn an animal on a spit, it gets just totally, totally, uh, all its juices come out. And we get rid of all that stuff. And all that's left is the kosher part. What's the kosher part? All that's left is the meat and the bones. And what happens is you eat the meat and the bones, and that also includes vegetarians. Like even the most, uh, uh, sometimes I meet a black cat wearing vegetarian. I say, you're a vegetarian? He says, except for the Paschal lamb, which of course we don't sacrifice today, mostly for political reasons. Because something else right there, it's like, you don't need anything but a knife. And the, uh, I don't even know if you need a Kohen. You need a Kohen. But I'm sure there's plenty of Kohen in the Afghan slaughter. And, uh, all you need is a fire pit, spit, that's the, you know, the metal thing, and a knife. We'd be uh, eating our redemption Paschal lamb here in Jerusalem. Wouldn't that be cool? So, meanwhile... We're going to burn it on the spit. What's kosher left is the meat. And that's going to be our... But you realize we're going to consume all of it. <laughs> Not allowed any leftovers. <laughs> Meaning that thing's history. Except for one other law, which we mentioned, is you're not allowed to break its bones. How do you say bones in Hebrew? Atzmot. Right. Atzmot. How do you say essence in Hebrew? Your essence, you don't break. The truth is, is it's unbreakable, your essence. The word for 
bones and the word for essence are the same in Hebrew. And on that particular night, on the night of the Exodus, you're not allowed to break the bones of the, you know, chomp on the bones and stuff and crack the bones. Those people enjoy such things, but I think a lot of people, a lot of meat eaters like to chew on the bones and stuff. Not on that night. Because we've done so much violence already. We have slaughtered the thing. We've burned the thing. We've eaten the thing. There's nothing left but the bones. All we got left is the bones. Don't break the bones. Don't break the bones. You're in such a state of major persona cleansing that you could go so far as to just go into what's called the false humility. You know what false humility is? False humility is, it's a, it's a very non-Jewish humility, but it's to think you're nothing. Thinking you're nothing is like spitting at your creator. He created you and you're nothing. <laughs> it's lush and hard. You know, it's, it's, it's shame. You're nothing created in the image of God, and you're going to call that nothing. You know what Judaism says about humility, like the true definition of a, being humble, you know what it is? Is that you say, I'm amazing because God makes me amazing. Not because I'm particularly smart, pretty, good thinking, handsome, strong, or powerful. That's not why you're amazing. You're amazing because God makes you. In other words, God's the source of why you're so amazing. That's humility in Judaism. And the Gentile version of humility is I'm nothing, which to us is spitting at God, like you're spitting on your creator. You're nothing. You're not nothing. You are awesome. You're awesome, powerful, beautiful, incredible, brilliant. Because God made you that way. And that awesomeness that's within us, called the soul, is an unbreakable soul. And now I'll sing you a song. My song? We're going to end this class with a song, but I need uh, someone with a smartphone. Put uh, unbreakable soul lyrics in Google. Or in Safari, whatever you got. I can't believe I'm missing you this song. This is crazy. Where's my guitar? You put Unbreakable Soul lyrics? Baby. What? Baby. Well, that's a person who wrote a song called Unbreakable Soul. Did you put lyrics? You can put the, na- the author's name is Sam Glazer, S A N, and then Sam Glazer, G L A S E R. It's my brother. Got it? All right. I think, unfortunately, my brother's lyrics are. Uh, this is Google. Sam Glazer, Unbreakable Soul. Which 
Which number is Samson? Uh, S7. How do you search? I pressed. It's still recording me. I got it. Breakable soul. Breakable soul lyrics. You don't know how to spell lyrics? I uh, got it. Lyrics not available. Uh, how do you go back? Bottom right. I'll get it up here. Sam Blazer lyrics. I have to speak to him about how his lyrics are set up. Album is called. It's twenty-two albums. <coughs> lyrics. He did a whole musical, so it's got all the birds. Okay, here we go. Ready? You guys have to repeat what I say, especially the men. Gentlemen, got it. You'll sing with me? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. I've never done this before. I mean, I've sung a ton of songs, but never uh, in this class. <laughs> I mean, sorry, never this song. Okay, here we go. Work all day. Work all day. Dream all night. Dream all night. Turn the darkness. Uh, do I need a, you need a beat, I see. Turn the darkness, Turn the darkness into light. Into oh, you know what, you, ladies, you can do the... <laughs> Keep going. Work all day, loud, dream all night. Turn the darkness into light. At the end, do it slow, ladies, of our rope. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Don't lose hope. Don't You're lose done. Hope. You can never break an unbreakable soul. You can go on. You can not you. You guys keep on an unbreakable soul. You can never break. Don't make that mistake. You can never break an unbreakable soul. Ready, guys? Keep going, ladies. Oh, sorry. Went out. Went out. Saw our plight. Saw our plight. Yet a word. Uh, Sorry. Uh, please keep going. <laughs> that doesn't end. Motion went out. Motion went out. Saw our plight. Saw our plight. When no one was looking. No one was looking. He picked a fight. Picked a fight. He had a word. Had a word. With Paro. Said, won't you please? Won't you please? Let my people go. Let my people go. You can never break an unbreakable soul. You can never break an unbreakable soul. You can never break. Don't make that mistake. You can never break an unbreakable soul. Here we go. Uh, he's the only one singing loud. I don't know what's with you guys like. 
embarrassed singing back there. A little louder. Keep going, ladies. A hundred years. hundred years. A slavery. Slavery. Something, something, something. Something, something, something. Something, something, something. Something, something, something. Hundred years, hundred years. The slavery, slavery. Forget what it means. Forget what it means to be free. To be free. Steal our senses. Steal our senses. Smash our bones. Smash our bones. Take our children. Take our children from our homes. From our homes. Eat our bread. Eat our bread. Uh, and drink our wine. Drink our wine. Seize our future. Seize our future. Waste our time. Waste our time. You may think. You may think. You're in control. You're in control. But you can never. You can never break an unbreakable soul. Break an unbreakable soul. You can never break an unbreakable soul. Ah, in sets of three. The plagues began. The plagues began. Till was. was. A sorry man. Sorry man. They suck night. They suck night. Proud and strong. Proud and strong. We sacrificed. We sacrificed. And sang this song. Sang this Join me this time. You can never break an unbreakable soul. You can never break an unbreakable soul. You can never break, don't make that mistake, you can never break an unbreakable soul, soul You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.